All right, good to see everyone tonight. We are, thank you, we are going to continue with the hope that Jesus gives. We're on number six. Next week, we'll wrap this series up, and Pastor Corey will be uh, starting a new series um, for the month of May. Uh, let's see, I think it's May and June, I think, but it's going to be a great one. I would tell you which one it is, but I can't remember which of the two we talked about he's doing, but I, I know the guy, and it will be good. It's like uh, someone asked Albert Einstein's wife if she understood her husband's theory of relativity, and she said, no, not at all, but I, I know Albert, and he can be trusted. So I know Corey. He can be trusted. It's going to be good. Father, thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We pray that you would help us uh, drive down a couple of more nails into this thing tonight as we talk about how prayer works with hope. Um, we pray for your blessing and your grace to fill us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Justin, for leading us in prayer. We have begun uh, this series with, a, I think, a fairly good and broad explanation of hope. Um, part one was about faith, hope, and love, the three eternals. Uh, Paul's put it this way, now there remain, or some versions say now these abide, faith, hope, and love. Of course, he said the greatest of these in love uh, is love. The first week we talked about the relationship between faith and hope and love, and how they are related to each other and depend upon each other. Um, the second week, we talked about how hope keeps us going between the promise and the fulfillment. Um, most of us remember when we receive the promise, and if it's something in the past, we remember when God gave the fulfillment. That in-between spot's a haze sometimes, a little bit blurry, but God keeps us going uh, through hope between the promise and the fulfillment. That's the purpose for hope. Faith, uh, in, in my opinion, faith grabs hold of the promise. Love surrounds the fulfillment of the promise. But hope is what gets us from point A to point Z. Lesson three, we talked about hope for our families. And then we went to the life of David and talked about the great battle uh, when his family and the families of all of his men were, were stolen away uh, when they lived at Ziklag. And we talked about hope when your world falls apart. Um, and then last week we talked about things that nourish hope. We need to learn to remember what God has promised, uh, what his word is, and, and, and certainly his written word above all but also any prophetic words he gives or any encouraging word that he gives through people or whatever. Um, so remember what God said. And then we also need to go a step further to understand what he said, not just to remember it, but to be sure that we understand it. And then we talked about exercising our spiritual muscle, our faith of always leaning forward. Um, next week, we'll conclude with fields of hope, meaning where do we plant the seed of hope? Um, where do we invest our hope? Is hope just careless speculation? Is hope just a positive statement? 
there are some fields in which faith really, I mean, uh, well, it's true of faith, but hope really grows. So we're going to wrap it up next week by talking about fields of hope. But tonight, basically, what we want to talk about is why do we pray? If God has spoken something and we have faith, why do we pray for it? Why can't we just have perfect faith and say, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Um, there's a doctrine that, that I, I've never heard anybody that wasn't well-meaning teach the doctrine. I just don't think it's right, and I don't think it's, it's, it's smart. Um, I, boy, I can't say that. I don't mean they're stupid. I just don't think it's right. And that is the idea that to pray a second time for something is unbelief. And I think that's a terrible teaching because I think we need to learn to pray until we get an answer. Now, I do think we can pray and, and when God speaks to us, it may very well be that we need to start praising him for the answer then. We need to take that very seriously when God gives us an assurance. But I have known uh, people, in, in my opinion, that did not receive the promise because they said, if I ask for it again, if I ask for it again, I'm showing doubt and unbelief. No, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. Um, you go to the high priestly prayer of Jesus just before he died. He prayed for basically about five things, but three things he really focused on. He prayed for us and for his disciples then that we would all have uh, security in him, that we would all have um, uh, unity in him. And um, he, he prayed, you know, for our, for our uh, uh, purity, I guess is the word I'm looking for. He prayed that we, even though we're in this world, would not be of the world. Now, we know that's not the only time Jesus prayed for those things. Was he asking in unbelief to mention it again? No, even when he taught us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, that's a repetition. Are we asking in unbelief if we pray it today? Well, we prayed it yesterday. It ought to be good for today. No, um, it, it just doesn't make sense. But a lot of people are so afraid of unbelief that they, they're afraid to ask for something twice. Um, Jesus laid his hand on the man that was blind and he asked him if he could see. He said, I see men as trees walking. In other words, he said, I, I see men, but I, as far as I can tell, they're just trees moving in the breeze. And what did Jesus do? He prayed some more until it cleared. So um, why do we pray if we have received a promise I think there's four good reasons for us to pray even when we received a promise as we wait for the fulfillment of the promise. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I do know there are times that God gives you such an assurance that the answer is coming that you don't need to ask anymore and you start praising him for it. I, I think that's fine. I think there's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that kind of momentous occasion... Keep praying. Keep praying. Okay, here's the first reason that we pray. We pray as an act of contention for God's will. When we pray, we are saying we want to pray about this. We want to bring the power of heaven to bear upon this so that things will no longer be as they are, but as they ought to be. 
Um, the old King James put it this way. We stand in the gap or we make up the hedge uh, is the King James language that was used uh, in the Old Testament. And what it meant to stand in the gap, uh, he said, I sought for someone who would stand in the gap, who would make up the hedge. To stand in the gap means you've got this reality here and you've got this reality here. This is the way things are. This is the way we know they ought to be. You using maybe a poor example, but you put one foot on what is and you put one foot on what ought to be and your prayers make up the gap. Your prayers say, this is the way it is, but this is the way it shall be. Um, we used to sing that song when I was growing up, uh, I would not be denied. And the first verse said, as Jacob in the days of old, I wrestled with the Lord and instant with a courage bold, I stood upon his word, I would not be denied. Old Satan said, my Lord was gone and would not hear my prayer, but praise the Lord, the work is done and Christ the Lord is here. See, it was that old mindset that those Pentecostal pioneers had of understanding this is what we're looking at, but this is what God promised. Uh, I know the way my child is living, but this is what God promised. I know that my husband is living this way, but God said he would come to the cross and would get his life right. So I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to make, uh, make up the hedge. In other words, it's a prayer for the way things ought to be. Now we got to be careful because sometimes we can pray for the way we want things to be. You know, we want them to be this way. Um, I remember when I, well, as I said, I, every time I say I've learned this lesson, I, I hesitate to say I've learned anything. But when this lesson became reality to me, the Lord spoke to me so clearly in a situation. I can take you to Gulf Shores, Alabama. I can take you to almost the spot where it happened. The Lord spoke so clearly to me. And it was, it was uh, does my life go this way or does my life go this way? And he spoke a word of blessing to me and I latched onto that word and I wrapped my arms around it and I said, Lord, let's go. Um, but his word was true and his word came to pass, but I put on top of it this way. He was actually taking me this way and I got so depressed that I spent, I spent, um, oh, I'd have to look in my journal weeks or if not months of doubting my ability to hear God at all because you said this and this didn't happen. And I, I finally came to the realization where he said this and this didn't happen, but he didn't say this. He just said this. And it was my job to wait and hear how he was going to do that. And he did it. He did it. But I just had to make a few laps around Sinai till I understood he was taking me that way. So it's the way things ought to be. Um, this prayer as contention for God's will also aligns our heart with the Father's heart. Um, the struggle that we have, especially the younger we are, in years or the younger we are in our walk with the Lord, um, the more challenging it is to be sure that our heart aligns with Father's heart. It's not because we're evil. It's not because we're bad. We've been born again. We've got God's DNA in us, but we're just immature. 
to some level or another. So what we do as we mature in him, we find out that prayer is not only making things the way they ought to be, but it aligns my heart with the reality that father desires. That testament or that uh, scripture in the Old Testament says, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of his heart. It's a dangerous thing for us to just say, well, God said he'll give me the desires of my heart. Um, because there are some desires of my heart. I am so thankful. I am so thankful that he said no to. I mean, really, I, I don't mean just little things. I mean, things that could have ruined my life. My heart was desiring. Lord, you said you'd give me the desires of, of my heart. And he loves me so much, he doesn't do it. Because he said, that's a conditional promise. He says, if you'll delight yourself in the Lord. And that word that in our Bibles is translated desire, uh, I mean, uh, delight yourself in the Lord or, or find your pleasure in the Lord. It, it means to abandon yourself to, to pleasing him. So when I get to the point that all I really want is the will of God, that's delighting myself in the Lord. It, it, when it says, I, I don't know, whatever, you, you know, whatever you want, Lord, I'm fine. You know, when Ramon and I, in our early dating times, it was so difficult for us to go out and eat. Where do you want to go? Well, I don't care. Where do you want to go? Oh, I just want to go where you want to go. Well, I just want to make you happy. And finally, I, I realized if we didn't just make a decision, we were going to starve to death. So, um, but you know, you, you're young, you're in love. Well, I don't care. Whatever you want. It was whatever you want. Whatever you want. You know, it, it, we'd get on the phone. And, and that was in the days when you had to pay long distance. So we'd have to wait till after nine for the rates to go down. And most of the time, we'd just listen to each other breathe. We didn't have anything to say. We just wanted to be in each other's presence. And just, you don't have to say anything. I just want to hear you breathe. You know, and you say, oh, that's silly. No, you did the same thing. You just don't have the craziness to tell people about it like I'm doing <laughs> right now. But that's the idea of delighting yourself in the Lord. You, you lose your expectations. You lose your preferences. And it, it doesn't mean that you don't have preferences. It doesn't mean that you don't have expectations. Nor does it mean that those preferences and expectations are bad. But everything that's in your realm is now subject to Him. So when you delight yourself in the Lord, He gives you the desire of your heart, which is to please Him. Um, I don't mean to just bore you with stories, but I'm trying to be sure that you understand because these, these, I told you these last four lessons are not, you know, systematic theology about hope. There's some fine tuning of hope in our lives and it's very, very narrow. It's a very narrow focus. Um, these last four lessons have been and will be, um, I, I remember one time I knew that the Lord was going to be moving me from a church. Uh, that I was serving. Uh, I had settled that. I had prayed through that. I knew he was going to be moving me uh, to another location. And, um, but there was nothing, there was nothing that opened up. I, I didn't go out actively pursuing. Uh, I did not pursue. I just, it just seemed like every door was closed. 
and uh, I just said, Lord, you said you're going to be moving me. And that was a few weeks ago. So what do I do? And I went from no opportunities uh, over the course of a couple of weeks to three opportunities. I say opportunities. They expressed interest. I don't know that they would have ever asked me to come, but I had three churches say, would you consider coming to be our pastor? And um, <clears throat> there was one opportunity that was particularly interesting to me because it was in my hometown and I wanted, I, I, I always had a burden for my hometown. And all of us at one time or another, you know, think we want to go back home. So it was very interesting to me. Um, there was another church that did not have a strong, I mean, another town that did not have a strong Pentecostal church in the area. And I thought, Lord, this is just such a wide open field. You know, this is, this is such an opportunity. And this would be a real um, good place to go to raise my family. The third place was very interesting to me. And I, I don't, I don't want to tell you why. Um, I don't want to get into that except to say, um, gator tickets would have been exceedingly easy to come by. And, uh, I would have, I would have been within striking distance, but, but I don't want to bring that up. It's, it's carnal, but, uh, all three, all three looked appealing. All three, um, boards contacted me and it seemed very promising. And all of a sudden I went from nothing to, to Lord, what do I do? It's like, I, I can't go wrong. Do I go to the first heaven, the second heaven or the third heaven, you know? And I prayed probably for two weeks and, um, I, I got serious. I was, I was fasting. I said, Lord, give me direction. And, and the Lord spoke to me when I was praying and he said, um, uh, something like this. I don't remember. As I said, I'd have to look at my journal. But it's something like this. By this time tomorrow, I'll speak to you about my answer. And um, it helped me just kind of relax in his presence. By this time tomorrow, the Lord's going to speak to me. And it got close to that time. And I was in the family room of the, of the parsonage. I was praying. I said, Lord, what is your answer? Because I need to let these people know something. And the Lord, this was his answer. What do you want to do? Which is no answer. I might as well have said, Ramona, where do you want to eat? You know. And I said, Lord, I, I would be happy in any of these places so far as I know. I need to know what you want. And the Lord said, what do you want to do? And that was a very difficult question, not because I had to choose between A, B, or C, but a whole new dynamic that was suddenly made real to my heart that night or that afternoon. What do you want to do? And I, 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 I'm not kidding you. I probably spent an hour and a half in prayer trying to resolve this. And I said, on one hand, this, on one hand, the other, on the other hand, this. And I, I, after probably an hour and a half, I came to the conclusion, I know what I want to do. And I said, Lord, what I want to do is to let go of this totally and let you direct me. Let you direct me. And I said, I won't second guess. I, I won't be like Balaam arguing with you 
negotiating a deal, if you'll just speak to me and let me know, I will content myself in your will and I, and I won't whine. Now that, you know why that sounded so good? Because I knew I was home free with either of those churches. Everyone was a winner. So, Lord, here's a tip for you. You choose. And then he spoke to me his choice. And I felt his presence so strongly. I felt his approval on my answer of, Lord, whatever you want. And so I was gladly, you know, like a pig in slop. I'm waiting for the wonderful answer. And he said, that's the answer I wanted you to give. Now here's my response. Say no to all of these churches and wait for a few more weeks for me to open another door. And I said, Satan, this is none of your business. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus. No, I didn't say that, but I tell you what I knew. I knew the Lord had just brought me through a test. Three churches that I would have been delighted to go to. Um, and he said, none of them, none of them. Now, you say, well, where did he send you? Well, it was, a, it was a few weeks later. We ended up going to a church where I met someone. Make a long story short, it was a wonderful church, wonderful people. But I met someone there that told me about their home church in, uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. Pastor Brown was our pastor and how much they loved the church. And what they did not know, what they did not know is that there was a mystery that had been going on in my heart five years earlier. Five years earlier, I drove by this church on, you know, out here on Bush River Road. I was in South Carolina being interviewed for a church over in the western part of the state. My wife's sister lived here, so we came over to visit her. And um, I was excited about possibly moving to South Carolina. And as I drove by, uh, my prayer all weekend had been, Lord, do you want us to go to this church? Do you want us to go to this church? And as I drove by this church, the Lord said, that's the church I want you to pastor, pointing here. And I, I honestly had trouble with that because I felt like it was the Lord. But if you're going to go to a church, it always helps if there's a vacancy at the church, you know. And I, I asked without saying, hey, the Lord told me, you know, and found out Steve Brown was here. He's very happy. Uh, just, um, I think it was like three years earlier, they had completed, you know, the Brown Chapel and moved from downtown. And um, I, I said, Lord, I think I heard you, but this makes no sense. And... I prayed about it a couple of days and I said, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know if I missed it, but obviously I can't, I can't show any interest in a church that already has a pastor. That would be, that would be deceitful. That would be wrong. So Lord, I'm going to assume I just didn't hear well. And I just put it in the back burner. And I honestly did. I just put it in the back burner and said, I don't understand what happened, but that was not the Lord. Well, I found out later it was the Lord. But I didn't realize that till I got here and the Lord put pieces together. To make a long story short, 
um, um, I would not end up coming here for another 10 years, um, for 10 years from that date. But there was a couple in that church that we went to that we bonded with and some of their family came to visit them down there and our heart bonded with them. And when Pastor Brown did retire, this person called and said, would you be interested in coming to our church as pastor? So I, I want to tell you the reality that the father has may not make any sense to us because it's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. The Lord took me to Florida, to Illinois to get to South Carolina. And I, if he had left it up to me, it would have been a much easier just direct drive, you know, from Alabama to South Carolina. But he didn't. I went east and I went north before I came here. But I am so thankful that during those times, the Lord helped me understand how important it was to align with his heart and the reality that he desires. Here's the third thing um, uh, that, that is true of prayer when we're contending for God's will. Praying reminds us of what God has spoken, and that means we value the words of God. So in other words, praying helps me to stand in the gap between the way things are and the way they ought to be. Praying aligns my heart with Father's heart so that his reality becomes my reality. And then praying helps me maintain my focus on the word of God. I'm not saying this to be belligerent. But I just want to illustrate what I'm talking about. Um, I, I have a friend, a dear friend, and, and I mean, we've disagreed on this before. It's not news if he hears this or anything. But um, his view is God called me to preach. And it doesn't matter where I preach. He said, I can pastor in, in Europe. I can pastor in China. I can pastor in Alabama. It doesn't matter. The will of God is not about geography. The will of God is about me doing what he called me to do. He said, I can pastor anywhere. He said, and that's why whenever I move from church to church, it's primarily a business decision to me. And I, I said, I can't see it that way. I think, I said, God called me to preach, but I think it also matters where I preach. I think geography also matters. I said, you go in the book of Acts and Paul wanted to go east. The Holy Spirit said, no. Then he said, I wanted to go north. The Holy Spirit said, no. And it was only after giving him a dream of a Macedonian man that he realized God wanted him to go west. I said, I think geography matters. And we never have agreed on that. And it's not till we get to heaven will he see that I'm right. But um, but, we, but praying helps you align, whether you agree with me or not on that. Praying will help you confirm the will of God. Um, it, number two, we also pray, not only as an act of contention for God's will, but we also pray to change the face of reality. Well, I've got to hurry, but let me explain to you what I mean here. There were um, two times that God gave me visions. These weren't dreams. These were times when I was praying and it was like a screen opened up in front of me and God showed me this thing. It's not the only time it happened, but I have a lot more dreams than I've ever had visions. But both of these were visions and we were praying about something. And I, I won't bore you with the details because that really doesn't have anything to do with the, the 
the principle I'm trying to teach. But we've been praying about something. The church that I was serving had been praying about it for years. I had been praying with that church about it. It was a big issue, praying about it for years. I'd been praying about it with them when I wasn't even their pastor. It was common knowledge. And then when I had gone there, we were praying about these things. And, and it just seemed like the no amount of prayer meetings was enough. It just, every time, every time, every time prayer was made, it was just no, no, no. We knew it was the will of God. We went through the thing of saying, well, you know, how many times does God have to say no? You know, um, we went through the thing of maybe we've missed it. Maybe, maybe all these years we have misunderstood what God was trying to do, but God kept bringing us back to praying. And, um, I, I, and I remembered saying, Lord, I know your word is true, but I think we're missing something because I feel like this is just a waste of time. It, it, nothing is breaking. Nothing is breaking. And um, um, when, I said, when I said the word time, this thing opens up and there is a set of scales you know, you know, scales that, you know, the arms go like this. And um, the, 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 the sand on each side of the scale looked basically the same. And it, it, was, it was sand coming over here, a grain of sand, at a, just a one grain at a time that was, that was falling on this side, but it was doing nothing. And I remember thinking, Lord, Sand is going on this side, but nothing is changing. And as I said that in the vision, you, you saw the thing tremble just a little bit, just a little vibration. And then, then it began to just tremble. And in the dream, the Lord said, now watch that one little grain of sand. One grain, just one more grain of sand. It was huge. I don't know how many thousands and thousands of grains of sand were on this scale. But one little grain of sand fell down. And as that one grain of sand fell down, something broke. And you saw the scale begin to do this. And the Lord said, you never know which grain of sand is the one that tips the balance. Uh, it, it, he didn't, this wasn't part of the vision, but it's, it's like... Um, uh, the tipping point. There was a book a few years ago called The Tipping Point. And it talks about how when a liquid is dripping into a cup, when you reach the tipping point, it doesn't just run over a drop at a time. When you reach the tipping point, that, that drop that is the tipping point, when it hits, it's like the cup explodes and the liquid goes out all around the cup. And that's the way prayer is. And God said, keep praying because you don't know which prayer you don't know if it'll be your prayer or the prayer of sister so-and-so. She was a lady in the church who gets up every morning to pray about this. But there will be a grain of sand that tips the balance. And it did. It did. Something that had been prayed for for years came to pass. Another vision that I had was uh, praying with someone for, for months and months and months that had cancer and the prognosis was not good. Uh, the, the prognosis was most probably she was going to die from this cancer. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And, and um, 
I, I, I can't tell you, nor, I, and I, I can't betray too much detail, but the prayer went on, intensive prayer. Uh, it was a small church, so people would gather at the house and, and just pray for hours after hours after hours, and it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. I remember um, that this person even told me goodbye. Uh, the, the doctors have said it's reached a terminal point, and I'm not going to recover. And um, I, as I went to prayer a little bit later, the Lord um, showed me stepping in front of, a, of an old Western steam locomotive, just stepping in front of it and putting my hand up, telling it to stop. And it didn't stop. It blew its whistle, get out of the way. It didn't stop. And, but the Lord said, stay on the track. And when I put both hands up like this, the, the train hit me and began to push me backwards. I mean, it didn't knock me down. You can tell it was a dream. You can get away with a lot of stuff. I mean, a, a vision. You can get away with a lot of stuff in a vision. And, and I was trying to, and, and I kept commanding this, this train to stop. In the name of Jesus, stop. And it, I, I was tearing up the tracks, but it kept coming. And it was not stopping. But the Lord said, don't lessen your grip. Don't lessen your grip. Don't stop praying. And I kept telling the train to stop. And to my amazement, the train began to slow and get slower and slower and slower. And then it finally stopped from the force of my two hands. Now that wasn't about me praying. It was about the church praying. Please, I was under no illusion that I was Superman. Not at all. But I knew the lesson was keep praying. And I want to tell you that's exactly what happened. Uh, after a terminal pronouncement. Healing came. Recovery came. And as far as I know, that person, that was decades ago, is living and doing well today. God helps us to understand that when we pray, it changes the face of reality. Uh, some things happen when I pray that do not happen if I do not pray. Some things happen when I pray that don't happen if I don't pray. Therefore, if I don't pray, then something in my life or the life of someone I love goes undone because prayer changes the face of reality. Now, I want to say this, and I, I, I say this a lot. And somebody asked me one time, why do you talk about that so much? I said, because you all believe it so much. And, and it's not right. Um, agreement seldom takes the form of denial. Um, when I say that prayer changes the face of reality, you don't change reality by denying it. And, and, and now I know there's a time to speak the promise of God. I know there's a time to speak what God has spoken to you. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay. There, there are times that we declare what God has spoken to our spirit. And I believe that, but I, I have found it counterproductive not only ineffective, but counterproductive to deny reality and then call that faith. Um, now, again, there's a time that you have to say, well, this is what the Lord showed me and I'm going to stand on this. But that's a lonely place sometimes. And you got to be sure it's what God spoke to you. I want to say this about declaration. Declaration seldom eliminates the need for process. We have a lot of people saying, well, I'm just declaring the word of the Lord. Um, I think a lot of times, not every time, please don't be offended by this. 
because I can tell nobody here would say this, but it's people you've heard on the radio or something. A lot of times people say, well, I just declare da, 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 da. And I honestly believe that a lot of times it's just a shortcut. So I don't have to pray. I'm just going to make a declaration, but it does not eliminate the need for process. We have to learn to embrace the process elaborate the desire of God and watch the change. And we need to at least embrace process as much as we are willing to make declarations. Process, process. That's, the, that's a word that is linked with prayer. Process. Keep praying. Ask, seek, knock. Present active participles. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. Process. Now here's number three. We pray to give structure to our warfare. Sometimes we don't know how to do warfare unless we pray. Gather every empty vessel, borrow vessels from your neighbor and start pouring out of your little flask of oil and her boys are running to every house in the neighborhood. And as long as they're bringing empty vessels, it keeps getting full and full. And one, you know, the, the woman had nothing. She was about to lose her boys to slavery, but God said, I'm going to multiply that little flask of oil. And she kept pouring. And finally she comes to the point where she says, this one's almost full, I need another one. And the boy says, mama, there's nothing left in town. And the oil stopped. She sold the oil, paid her debts, and they lived happily ever after. God, in response to prayer, shows us what we need to do sometime. Um, walk around the city, walk around it silently once a day for six days. And on the seventh day, walk around it seven times. And this time it's not a walk of silence, but it's a walk of declaration and the sounding of trumpets at the end. And the walls come down. Gideon's battles, get these pictures and get these, these lanterns and do battle this way. All of this is as a, as a result of prayer. So we pray to give structure to our warfare. And here's the last thing. We pray to understand the timing of what God is doing. If I have a problem consistently, it's with the issue of timing. Um, I, I generally don't have trouble hearing. I generally don't have trouble staying focused, generally, generally. But whenever God says something, I'm ready for him to do it then, right then. There's a scripture that has meant so much to all of us through the years that one day to the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day. And um, I think most of us, the only thing we understand about that scripture is we try to figure out prophecy. Well, one day in Daniel is a thousand years because the Bible clearly says that one day is a thousand years. No, it doesn't. That's, that's not what that verse is about. I mean, if God wants to use that formula, he can. When the scripture says that one day is as a thousand years or a thousand years is as a day, what that means when you read it in its context, it, it means simply this. God is not 
hindered by time, nor does he see time the way we do. That, in other words, God says when I speak my word, it's my word and it's going to come to pass whether it's today or I mean it for a thousand years. It doesn't matter to me. It's, it's, what matters is my word is true. And boy, I tell you what, uh, uh, I've, I've struggled with that. You know, uh, looking for my wife. I was driving down Highway 90 and the Lord said, just relax, she's coming. I said, when? He said, soon. And I said, Lord, you also said I come quickly 2,000 years ago. <laughs> he said, you talked about things that must shortly come to pass. He said, I am coming soon. These things must come to pass quickly. And she showed up. Finally, she obeyed God and showed up. But what I learned from that is not that God taunts us, dangles things in front of us. That thing where you say, Lord, I don't like that your timing is different than mine. What that ought to do, I'm preaching at me here as much or more than anybody else. What that ought to do, what that ought to do is tell us that God is fully committed to his process and we shouldn't be discouraged when it doesn't seem to be happening right away because God is going to make it happen, but it's going to be in his timing. It's going to be in his timing. That's where hope lives. Hope says, I will pray as I contend for the will of God. I will pray moving things from where they are to the way they ought to be. I will pray so that my perception of this blessing lines up with Father's realities. I will value the words of God. I will change the face of reality because I don't know which grain of sand will be the one that tips the scale. I don't know which second of resistance will be the one that stops the locomotive. I will agree with God without denying the fight and I will declare what he has promised, but I will still fight the good fight of faith all the way through, all the way through. I will pray because it gives structure to our warfare. I will pray because it gives me an understanding of the timing of what God is doing. One of the toughest times in our life, Ramona and I, she would agree, one of the toughest times of our life was, was um, after, after a miscarriage and our hopes had been so dashed and, and, and so broken. And God gave us a song that we played over and over and over and over. It became our family anthem in his time. In his time. He makes all things beautiful in his time. And that burrowed into our soul and gave us a richness that we would have never had any other way. Father, we want to thank you for hope that Jesus gives. And we want to thank you that we don't have to just wait, but we wait and pray 
That's really what it means when it says to watch and pray. We, we, we wait. We consider all around us in anticipation, but we pray. We keep giving it to you. And I pray that you would give a fresh anointing upon us as a congregation to receive that ability to pray. Give Justin fresh anointing as he leads us in the ministry of prayer. And we give thanks to you, Lord, because he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. We ask this in Jesus' name. If you're here and you don't know the Lord, please see us before you leave tonight. We'd be glad to talk to you about following him. We love you. If you're listening uh, to the uh, online presentation of this, call the church if you want to know more about following Jesus. We'd be glad to help you. I love you. God bless you. Thank you for being here this evening.